I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Dust off your tux! It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I'm your TV guide, Brett White. I am also a reporter producer for Decider.com. This week for Pride Month Part 3, I am joined by one of the hosts of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, author and podcaster Glenn Walden. Hey, Brett. What's up? How are you? I am doing great. You are the subject of my first ever on-location recording. I know, look at this. <laughs> of of uh, Must Have Seen TV. Yep. Usually, every single other episode has been taped. Either one person or both people in my office. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, yeah. It's historic. Yeah, this is very historic. So I'm here, you're here talking about sitcoms with me today. How and not often just any sitcom, Brad. Yeah. I am talking to you about the Bob Newhart Show. I, I am humbled, I am honored, <laughs> and I am scared as fuck yeah. to do this with you because this is your thing. That's basically how you said, I gave you like a choice. Because there's like, there's a lot of great gay episodes I wanted to get to. Mary Tyler Moore Show has a great sure. one. Uh, Golden Girls has a bajillion. Yeah, and... not my thing. Not my thing to be Golden Girls. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Mm. What's, what's the tea there? I don't know. It's just there's something about the implacable set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline. Okay, yes, And also okay. The, the fact that I'm supposed to like it. You oh, know? Okay, it, yeah. It's also, I'm Kind of class, bro. <laughs> yeah, but so you were like, I will, you'll, you're gonna bite the bullet and talk about this episode that I feel way too personally about. Uh, apparently, <laughs> oh, I am boy. rapidly learning that. But um, yes, no, it's fine. But it we is. share something, Brad, a sensibility, and not just the dick-oriented sense, but also <laughs> for Bob Newhart, not in a thirst sense, Brad. I don't share we'll, your thirst. Yeah. yeah, we'll get there. But um, I, the Bob Newhart show was my parents' favorite show on television. Uh, the second one was Barney Miller, but for them it was uh, it was definitely Bob Newhart. Uh, I listened to as a very young kid. I listened to the Button Down Mind, mm-hmm. Bob Newhart over and over again. Had it memorized, and I so loved the opening credits of the Bob Newhart show as a kid in kindergarten. Yeah. Now I'm talking the first three seasons. They change it up. Yes. They change yeah. it up. Gets a lot brassier. Yes. But jazz, which is literally the word I have written in my notes. A lot. <laughs> but there's something about that first uh, those first three seasons where. Uh, we, the music is the music, of course it's great, but also he's he's got his briefcase and he's and he's walking mm-hmm. to work, he gets on the train, and then when you see Suzanne Plachette, the music changes and becomes yeah. much more gentle, it's like he's, she's welcoming him home. Yeah. And for uh, entirely too long, for both kindergarten and most of first grade, I, a little uh, toe-headed uh, Glenn Weldon <laughs> with a bowl haircut uh, and uh, in my uh, garenimals, um, would, uh, would carry a briefcase... To kindergarten. Oh my god! At home from kindergarten, and 
imagine that I was the star of the Bob Newhart show, only it was the Glenn Weldon show, and I would hear the music as I got on the bus, like he got on the train, I got on the bus, and it was all in my head. It was just something about that. This show is so beige yeah. that, uh, that it kind of fit with my sensibilities. Oh, man, I feel like you just... I mean, you outdid me in a way. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think so. Because mine only goes, I mean, mine goes back that young, but not like that young. I didn't carry a brief. I did do photo shoots of me dressed as Bob Newhart in the opening credits in college in my bathroom. Okay, that counts. So, you know. So. Don't discount that. That's a real thing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this week we'll be traveling to October 9th, 1976. Marathon Man ruled the box office. Wow. A fifth of Beethoven by Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band topped the charts. Oh. Oh, is that was the disco like? Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. And CBS aired the Bob Newhart Show episode. Some of my best friends are Glenn. You must have seen some of my best friends are before today. I did, I did. I, I don't remember it specifically, like in terms of any kind of gay sensibility or a gay anything invading my consciousness. The thing that did when I was a kid was the same thing that did for um, uh, Dan Savage, like the 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 gays on Barney Miller, mm-hmm. like. Because yeah, yeah. That that was a thing that that terrified me because it's like, oh, that's what I am, yes. and I don't want to be that. Um, yeah, the the gays on Barney Miller are not as uh, nuanced. No, no. As they're not someone... necessarily the butt of the jokes. No, but but they're they're in the vicinity, which is entirely different than what we're talking about. Right, about and there's today. a lot of unchecked homophobia uh-huh. from on the cops' behalf. Absolutely, I've only ever seen one episode of Barney Miller, and it was the episode that I wrote about for that gay episode for Decider last year, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I was kind of shocked at how. Just, like, unrepentant. Even, like, Barney Miller, in his, like, talking down of the homophobia, was still saying homophobic things. I mean, hey, it's a writer in the 70s, didn't know any better, trying to do a good thing. Of course. But it's, like, in retrospect, it's like, yikes, like, the Cheers gay episode, at least Diane is there to be the voice of non-bigotry. And here I would argue, we'll get to it, but, like, here we're kind of right in the middle Mm -hmm. between those two things. It's not the strident defense that you would hope for and, and expect. It is something... Uh, much more humane mm-hmm. than you would get from some, some like the Barney yeah. Miller thing, but it's also there's still it flirts as it were. It still flirts it's with just, a little homophobic. You got you got you got to flirt with it. Seventies. Yeah. It's yeah. also twenty nineteen. You still have to flirt with it sometimes. Live room. Uh, what is your history with gay characters in pop culture? Like, what are the first queer characters you remember on TV or movies? Well, I mean, again, it was the Barney Miller. It was the Barney Miller personages. It was. I didn't understand what. Um, what Three's Company was doing because uh, clearly yeah. Jack Tripper was not gay and when he tried to be gay it didn't it, it didn't connect with anything like in my in my universe it didn't, I didn't understand what he was trying to do I understood uh, Mr. Furley a lot yeah. better I kind of yeah. uh, kind of pinged to Don Knotts a little bit more than more than I did just because yeah. of the collars just yeah. because of the collars and the and the, and the kerchiefs. Yeah, Bob Bob flirts with some collars on the Bob Newhart show. Definitely does. Uh, and if people who follow my the Natty Newhart Tumblr, yep. where I've documented every single thing he ever wore on the show, uh-huh. he flirts with some. Uh, he never does neckerchiefs though, although I would love it. I mean, it's close. Yeah, it's very very close. <laughs> I mean, what, what was the first queer character in pop culture that you were like that you saw yourself in or related to? Did that, that is, ever happen? That is a that is a very good question. I mean, there there's certainly like I was lusting after things left and right, but I mean like, uh, and it wasn't you know, it was, and he wasn't a queer character. It was John Eric Hexum on a on a show called Voyagers, which is just him being this incredibly hunky. Uh, uh, time traveling warrior guy who was frequently shirtless, and that's all it took. I wasn't a complicated kid. <laughs> I want to be that. I want to be with that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's all of the things. I want. This is the thing. There's a, a great line in the um, 
Annie Lamott book, her, her friend who is a priest uh, tries to explain to her what it's like to be gay. And he says, I see a hot dude and I want to be him and I want to lick him. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the alpha yeah. and omega. <laughs> I get this weird, like, when people point out that a lot of the men that I have crushes on look like me, uh-huh. it's like this weird, like, yeah, I think that is attractive, so therefore I am trying to make myself look my definition of attractive. Exactly. So, like, it eats its tail. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. also, like, you want to eat its tail. But it's complicated, <laughs> Brett, because if you're talking about the Bob Newhart show, and, and if you're talking about uh, uh, shows in the 70s and the 80s, what you see a lot of are middle-aged people on your TV, uh-huh. which you don't see today. Yeah. I was struck by that. Yeah. I was struck by that I think Bob Bob is like 47 years old, like in 1976. Yeah, uh, he's born in 29, so seven, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne Plachette, 37, so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> 10 years younger. It's, it's not quite King the of Queens. The wives keep getting younger for him, this too. This is true. Yeah, Mary Friends, oh younger, and then, um, oh, the wife on Bob, his third show is also, yeah, like, yeah. This, like, yeah. Bill Daly, 47, Howard Hessman, 36, looking not like a 36-year-old man. <laughs> I keep a hard 36. Hard 36. Like, it's... But I not, feel like it's the prevalence of the cigarettes. Like, maybe. it has to be aging the skin. I, you know, uh, a while ago, I got my husband the box set, this is how long ago it was, of uh, the first season of Dynasty, uh-huh. right? And we started watching it, and it was just middle-aged people taking up all of the plot. Yeah. And, and Where's just, the youth? <laughs> right, right. I mean, where is the... Where is the, Like, they have, like... When they kiss, their skin wrinkles. Like, yeah. It's like, that's not what <laughs> <I'm saying." laughs> oh, there, there you. But um, there's this plot line where Crystal has an affair with her chauffeur, and I'm thinking, okay, hot hunky. You know, right, yeah. Like this model chauffeur. And sneak one in. He is a skinny, like, slack... Like a uh, slack skinned dude who looks like he should be selling you aluminum siding. He looks like this <laughs> middle aged dude from Newark. And it, there's no heat there. This is not what I'm used to. So seeing this show and seeing all these middle aged people yeah. having going about their lives, uh, it, was, it was fascinating. You don't see it anymore. You don't. So this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're talking about the Bob Newhart Show episode Some of My Best Friends Are, dot, dot, dot. It's the third episode of season five and was written by Patricia Jones and Donald Riker, directed by James Burroughs, the legend. Here's how Hulu describes the episode. Dr. Hartley's psychological therapy group has an unexpected visitor when a friendly homosexual joins in the <laughs> sessions. Glenn, how accurate is that description? Uh, it's, uh, it's straight down the middle, as it were, so to speak. It, friend... makes, it makes it sound a lot jauntier. Yeah. Craig Plager does not want to do this. No, he doesn't. He's not a particularly friendly homosexual. He's, he's, a, uh, he's putting up with it. He's, yeah. He's sort, of, <laughs> he's sort of there, not under protest, but like... Which is, I really like this performance from Howard Hessman. Yes. Way. I really like how underplayed it is. How there are so many ways you could go off big. He's got the speech about he wants to be like a man without the country. That, in another in another actor's hands, could have been queenier, uh, bigger. Yeah, huge. He decides to kind of keep it reined in. Yeah. Uh, not that that's better or worse, but it's a, just a fascinating choice for this time. Especially after 76. Yeah. So as you were saying, the, we get the theme song at the top of the episode, which I literally, the worst, first word in my notes are brassier theme song. Uh-huh. Because it's the, it is the bigger, this is the season. The melody goes away too. The melody is not as strong. It's not as, yeah. it's not as much of a through line. Yeah. And this is also, so the thing that I like or find interesting about Bob Newhart's show is there are different variations of the opening. It's always people going to work. Mm-hmm. It started off being Bob coming from coming home from work. Right. And then it's Bob going to work. For a couple of seasons, it's both Bob and yeah. Italy coming home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But only for a couple episodes. Never yeah. for a whole season, which makes me kind of annoyed of like, 
That's one of those things where I write the story in my head of like the networks being like, you can't show a woman coming home from work. Because <laughs> it was super progressive, the fact that they both were adults that worked and didn't have kids. That's true. Um, and so them really putting that in the opening credits, I thought was cool. And then the fact that it didn't last, don't like that. Huh. These opening credits are both of them in the morning leaving mm-hmm. Howard in their apartment. Right, sure. Which makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, if you um, ever, if you do some Googling, you find out that Bob's route to work is... He does. He kind of crosses his own path. Security. It doesn't make sense. I've only been to Chicago a couple times. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I finally, I found the Bob Newhart statue. Oh, I've never Yeah, seen TV it. Land. In the early 2000s when they went on that spree of putting statues everywhere. And oh, I found shit. the Bob Newhart show statue. Uh, which is very nice. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, after those great opening credits, uh, so the, the we kick right off into the entire plot of the group is bored at bored AF. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what are your what's your take on the uh, the the group? Well, uh, who do you like? Who do you hate? It's, who are your guys? It's <laughs> interesting because I got to say, first time through this episode, I watched it twice. First time through this episode, I was Trinity, the Taylor Tuck. Where are the jokes? Yeah. Where are the jokes? It's not that boom boom. It's not what I complained about with no Golden no. It, the, yeah. It, there's so much that's attitudinal. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, the show is um, there's so many. Uh, beiges and mustards in this mm-hmm. show. Yeah, uh, I had we had the A to Z. Um, I uh, I had those. You had those. Yeah. I, well, I bought them because uh, of this. I bought okay. them on eBay. We had them growing up. Uh, we had his lamp. Uh, so much of that. Uh, so much of this sort of avocado gold. Yeah, is something we had. Um, I like the group. They're a little dull. Yeah. Um, so well, that that's the problem they're having. And, and so it's truth and advertising. Yeah. <laughs> Between you and me, Brett, is Mr. Carlin on the spectrum? Probably because he is giving you exactly one note. Yeah, in, in every delivery. Yeah, it is just this. This show was more hostile than I remembered it being. It like, is. Yeah, it, this is also season five. The show goes through. So I guess this is when the the uh, let the Charles brothers might be in charge at this point. Mm. Who went on to do Taxi and Cheers? Yeah, like the show becomes a lot more surreal and weird mm. and hostile. Which I mean, I love later Bob Newhart for that reason. Right. Because um, like this one has a lot of really great. There are two really great just like knock it down jokes. Like there's one point where Bob's where Bob's talking about like how he's in college and he asks Down by the old mill stream. Down by the old mill stream, that's my favorite. You, you want me to sing it? I don't. <laughs> and then there's another one later on where oh god, it's where Jerry's making those blue animals and he asks Miss Bakerman. Oh, Mr. Spider has come to visit. <laughs> you like it? No. Yeah. Like, Again, that's not a joke. No. That's just a reaction. Yeah. And, and still, it still gets a big laugh. Yeah, because they're, they're so, it's so unexpected. Right. You're, you, you expect sitcoms to be polite and yep. everyone to be polite or if they're going to be rude to each other in a funny way. Right. But a lot of things on this show is people would be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get to it, but when Bob uh, calls Howard a jerk, it's like, a, yes, you're exactly right. Yeah. B, go you. Yeah. Oh, that's like awesome. There's no laugh line there. It's There's great. no laugh line. So, so, yeah, the beginning of it is like, so, Mr. P- Mr. Peterson. Mr. Peterson, uh, who is a that guy? Yeah. That actor has been everywhere in the 70s. He yep. was in Harper Valley PTA. He was in He's the voice of Piglet. He's the famously. voice of Piglet. My husband is. loves Winnie the Pooh, so every time he comes on, I always joke of like, hey, he's the voice of Piglet. And he's uh, like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah, me yeah. that literally every time. Uh, Lillian epitomizes what I mean by not a lot of jokes, but a lot of attitude, like, oh, yeah. just, 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 she, and then Michelle, who disappears. Yeah, right? Michelle Nardo, this is apparently her last episode of the show. Huh. 
So who is one note? Yeah, she uh, is man hungry and has weight problems. Yeah, like, and she's also the young one. She's there to represent the young people. Yeah, yeah. And she is in her thirties, maybe. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do like. I love that there. Bob does have some. Bob has so many patients that he can bring in Mr. Plager, who is another one of his patients who was in four previous episodes. That is a huge thing, and I did not realize that until I read your yeah. decider piece about it. He has so many patients that he can really put them all together. But these are the four, and then after Michelle leaves, it becomes like those three that are right. Peterson, Carlin. Because I skipped ahead to watch the very final episode, because mm-hmm. I just like final episodes of yeah, things. Yeah. And I wondered if they were going to be at all sentimental, and they sort of were and they sort of weren't. But... Car- Carlin is exactly the same. Peterson exactly the same. Lillian had a bit of a glow up. In the oh, world. really? <laughs> she, she kind of she's much more put together. She's not the kind of. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, I guess the uh, the grocery store started paying her more. Yeah. Or she or maybe she got promoted to like shift leader or something. Yep, yep, yep. She got more to do. So yeah, they basically like they said they need a goosing up. Uh, they want to get some nice looking broads in there. <laughs> Everyone's very like we need to get some like fresh blood into this because uh, everyone just keeps talking about their fucking like supermarket job or weight loss right. or flunking gym class or whatever flunking right. shop. and Bob says well Mr. Carlin we have a, a couple uh, nice looking broads in here and you're like oh that doesn't seem that doesn't seem like something he would say yeah there, it's one of those moments where it's like Bob is a bad therapist <laughs> or it's like there are ethical lines to be crossed because I don't think you should call your female patients no they're perfectly they're hot looking like this is another thing like in the very final episode a new therapist comes in and the first thing he says to Lillian is like and I didn't realize there were so many attractive women in this group and it's like wow this is not <laughs> this is, don't do this jeez yeah so uh, I also like so as they're all leaving after they all come they reach the, the decision of like well we're gonna bring a new blood they're all leaving whatever you do Dr. Harley don't get anyone who'll disrupt the harmony of our little family yeah nobody hostile out of the way stupid <laughs> How'd you like a mouthful of chiclets? Really good. And then the elevator doors close. Then the close. And then Carol suggests Mr. Plager. Carol, of course, makes all the sense in the world that she would know the gay guy. Now, I didn't realize that Plager yes. was was a patient, so she was kind of dealing with, um, you know, some of his... She, she knew him from that. I figured she was a friend of his. Like, no, yeah, which is the storyline I want to see. Yeah, I, I still want more Carol. This is... This is my through line for the entire thing. More Carol. Yeah. yeah she, well, this is the weird... So this is the larger note of the way 70... Or the way sitcoms used to be written is like, this is a one-act play. Or like, this is a play. There are no A plot, B plot, C plot that we're used true, to. That's true, right. So it's like, this episode is a bomb group therapy episode. So what are, what are Carol, Jerry, Howard, and Emily going to do? Right. That's why Jerry gets a weird balloon animal bit. Carol gets a suggestion. Like, That's not yeah. even like, it's like three lines. They're in the episode for maybe, Carol's in the episode for maybe a minute. Yep. Maybe less. Yep. And it's Carol Marshall Wallace, the great Marshall Wallace. Yep. But she's the one that suggests that him, uh, because he's a... <coughs> Who'd you have in mind? Mr. Plager. I think he'd fit in beautifully, Bob. He's a mild neurotic with compulsive tendencies. Which honestly, same TBH. Like, sure. Who is isn't? That? Is that a bit of a HIPAA violation from Carol there? Is that, is that like is she just shouting out people's conditions yeah. in the lobby? Access to all the files. She does, Hey, right? she doesn't have the internet, so when she's bored, she's just going through yeah, files and reading the dirt. I suppose. Uh, a word about Bob's tie in this, in this oh, scene? Oh, please. Anything about Bob's clothes, I am here for. The knot in that tie is the size of a toddler's fist. Yeah. It is amazing to see. Yeah. It is, it's weighing him down. Yeah. These big, these big ties, big mm-hmm. everything. I will... Also say, in general, of course, my overall note for Bob Newhart's style is that Bob Hartley is ridiculously stylish for a man of his demeanor, age, 
and also like friend group because yeah. he dresses better than anyone and mm-hmm. he shouldn't. Like yeah. it's not that yeah. it's not in that character to wear so many bracelets and pinky rings. I'll say he dresses more. I wouldn't necessarily. We will dis- <laughs> we'll disagree about he dresses better. Have you? Do you follow the Natty Newhart? I on? don't. In so, fact, but I, mean, I, I you just need to go through. Now. I mean, this episode doesn't have a lot of his hottest looks, mm-hmm. but there are some weeks when he busts out the double-breasted jacket with the white turtleneck. Sure. Nice. Sure. Nice choice. But he's got a he's got a jacket coming up that I do not understand. We'll get to it. But I do not understand <laughs> it. And how can like Carol is wearing that kind of tight clingy polyester swirly do? Yeah. That's 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 of the moment. Yeah, and this is also um like post perm Carol. Yeah. Because like first right. couple seasons is that like short feathered yep, whatever. Yep, yep, yep. But when I think of Marshall Wallace, I think of Match Game Marshall Wallace with the tight like curls. We, we I we will talk about match game at another time. Have, <laughs> That's another podcast I definitely want to do. Right. So we then cut to the next scene, which is the the sort of B plot of this episode, I guess. It's it's you you gotta we we fall down the rung to like the F plot. Like yeah. it's like it's like in terms of amount of screen time, this is like a I F-G-H honestly plot. believe so the B plot, D plot, X plot is that Bob is going to his twenty five year Glee Club reunion mm-hmm. and he's dusted his old tux off mm-hmm. because there's a bet or whatever they all made a promise to all wear their tuxes. Right. I honestly feel like this entire plot exists just so he can be wearing a frilly blouse that will then act as the instigating incident for sure. the thing later on. See, I thought uh, when he mentioned that he had seen one of his old Glee Club buddies on State Street, that mm-hmm. that was going to be a setup for. And then at the Glee Club reunion, the guy comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, so it would be like a whole... That, there you go. You got a little... Yeah. Uh, everything kind of uh, ties in together. I also didn't understand. Like, when I see that tux that's all frilly, I think that's a 70s tux. Yes! Not that it's a 1951 <laughs> yeah, tux, which is what we're is, led to believe. That is the weirdest thing about watching shows like this where a joke... Because this also happens on Mary Tom Moore show where there's one episode where she has to wear, like, a last-minute dress and it's supposed to be an ugly dress. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, it just looks like a 70s dress. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, it looks no crazier than a thing Rhoda would wear. Right. But the context around is like, that's hideous. This hideous thing I'm wearing is normal. Yeah. That thing is hideous. Yep. So what Bob is wearing, or what he picks out later, is it is a it is a like V shape. Like the shoulders are so broad, mm-hmm. like the shoulders are like I'm not complaining about that. Sharp. Yeah. Um it's a low droopy, like double breasted, frilly shirt. My also my grandfather had all these suits in huh. the seventies. Huh. I inherited a bunch of them mm-hmm. and would wear them to high school on Halloween. Or go. like school spirit day. This yep. is where it comes from. Um there's a really oh, and Bob is wearing a tan leisure suit. Uh, yes. With a a shirt that I do not understand. What is the shirt? It is red and black and white. It's kind of a checked yes. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is just, again, as you were saying, it is big. He's making bold choices. Yeah. Uh, this is when Howard comes in, and there's another really great joke that I like, where like it smells like mothball. Hi, Bob. Hi, Emily. What's for dinner? <laughs> I smell meatballs. You smell mothballs. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, maybe I'd better come back for dessert. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Again, I think the only time there are those, like, set-up punchline jokes has been Howard's involved, but that's even true. then, they are askew. Right. That's like, that's true. a weird... It doesn't, it doesn't line up directly, you're right. And there's also a phone bit. He, he, t- he talks to Mr. Carlin on the phone. Yes. Um, now, in the phone, like, he's known... For yeah. phone bits. So like, you have to work them in every episode. Are they in every episode? Is that Yeah, they are usually in every episode. There's like one. And it, 
But also, like, them casting him as a therapist and listening funny is, like, such a great... Yeah. I think it makes it so much, makes so much more sense than him being an innkeeper. Yeah. Or a comic book penciler. Which didn't make any sense. Have you seen Bob? I've seen a long time ago. It long is... It's grasp on how comic books are made is wild. Yeah. At some point, I'm going to have one of my Marvel editor friends on just to talk about that. You should do is... a double feature with uh, Too Close for Comfort, where he kind of <laughs> did uh, Cosmic Cloud, because that was also not a thing. I did this. It's at this point that I wrote that at this point, they're just killing time. Yeah. Uh, it's so wild that there's this whole black book scene. Mm-hmm. So Emily finds in Bob's pocket his little black book from college. Which gives Emily, gives Suzanne Plachette great stuff to do and shows off their dynamic really well where both of them are playing like they don't know what that is, but they both know what it is. And they're just, it's a really cool push and pull of like spouses that are equals on board, like just ribbing each other. Yep. And I, I mean, like that. I, I think I was drawn to the Suzanne Plachette character and Suzanne Plachette like women in my life because she uh, gave as good as she got. Mm-hmm. She wasn't effusively warm. No. She wasn't effusively supportive. In fact, later she calls him stupid. <laughs> How do I look? You look stupid. <laughs> no, seriously. From my heart, you look stupid. Yeah. I, I just respect the hell out of that performance. Yeah. Respect the hell out of the writing. And that performance. She says it so witheringly, too. Just like, yes, you look does. stupid. Yep. Just like she's tired. Yep. You don't want to do it. Uh, I also like, there's this whole, like, by her name, you wrote. Oh, and here's Kathy Twilly. Hot to trot. <laughs> her father owned horses, huh? No. No, she, um, she was a nymphomaniac. <laughs> Yeah, see, right there. Again, it's the rule of threes. You, you do it once, twice, there's hot mm-hmm. to trot, va va boom, and yeah, yeah, stars and it's things like that. Really great. I wrote drag him, Emily. Yeah, <laughs> yes, of course. So then we're back in the office the next day, and this is where we get Jerry's bit with Mr. Eel. Which I thought was like going to be a bit. I thought that was going to be like a phallic. Is this a runner? Yeah. Nope. 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 But I mean, like, he, he comes and he, he has a, a very phallic balloon that he kind of waves in Bob's face and says, well, say hello to Mr. Eel. And I thought, okay, I see where this is going. Yeah. Kind of like when, you know, when uh, uh, Lillian brings the fruit. I thought, okay, mm-hmm. I know where this is going, and it did come. It kind of does, it yeah, but does. it took a while, yeah. But, yeah, it was a little too uh, too hot for 1976, I suppose, the yeah. phallic eel. So, like, Jerry's whole bit this episode is he's making balloon animals, um, which is, that's it. That is. And then the group comes in, they are, they're all, they're like, oh, of course you're going to be our new member, right? And it's yeah. like, hey, new. Jerry, uh, Peter Bonners does this weird little bit with the spider that he makes when he's walking out where he, like, flaps its front two little things yep. out the... I don't know, just, like, weird little physical bits that... I don't know, you figure, like, well, I'm not in this episode that much. I'm just gonna just... Exactly. Have fun. Give me a thing. Give me just literally anything to do. Right. So Bob called everyone in early because he wanted to, like, just let them know about what's happening, who the new loon is, as mm-hmm. Carlin says. Yeah. And... Howard Hessman enters mm-hmm. as Mr. Carl Plager. Mm-hmm. There's a really cool uh, moment when Bob is introducing everyone. He says, like, oh, and you know Miss, Mrs. Bakerman, or uh, Mrs. Bakerman. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he does, I think, because he's been in four other episodes, and I think he was in an episode with her. Right. Weird internal continuity that they did not have to put in. No, of course. Uh, do you know anything about their writers? The, the, are they a married couple, or are they... They are a married couple. Okay. Oh, man. So when I do that gay episodes, I go deep into finding out whether or not the writers and directors are gay, yeah. or queer of any sort, because it just, it shapes everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, finding out that the co-writer of the Mary Tyler Moore Show one was a gay man who 
died of AIDS, but also had his body cryogenically frozen. Okay. So he was, I think he was one of the first people to have his body frozen, so okay. he's still out there. <laughs> um, so, no, they are a married couple, and I know that because I, like, found, like, property like things you just oh, google right. their names and like shit oh, comes right. up and it's like oh here's where they bought like uh, an estate together or something oh, so um they went on to write for fame as a couple okay like they wrote a bunch of episodes of ladder fame when it was syndicated right um uh hessman here is looking exactly like johnny fever yeah exactly for well this is like right before this is right 76 before. when does that start like 78 79 yeah, like it's, there, yeah. yeah so uh, i honestly feel like he might not have been in a lot of it more because he was doing that. So Maybe. He's, like next year? I don't know. Right. I mean, that did change the, the whole dynamic of when I realized that this isn't just a character brought on once. When you yeah. when I read your, your piece and I realized he'd been around <clears throat> before. That is such a huge deal. That is a coming out episode. Yeah. That this is a character that people have seen in four previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And his and his main character game is that he's a writer. Yeah. And most all of his plot lines involve him being a disenfranchised like playwright or sitcom writer. Uh, screenwriter, I think they called him. Screenwriter yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, that. Yeah. How does that? Work? <laughs> yeah. How that? Uh, maybe he's like commuting. Uh, yeah. And then his episode that he comes back for, which is the other amazing thing, is that usually when a gay character comes on, they disappear. Yeah. He comes back next season. Uh-huh. And it's an episode where he has written, it's called Group on a Hot Tin Roof, and he's written a play oh, wow. that is just about him and then Bakerman, Peterson, and Carlin. Okay. And he's not mentioned as being gay in that episode, so it is kind of a cop-out. But still, it's like he didn't disappear. Right, okay. Good and if him. you, and it's like, you know what? In the 70s, I'll take what I can get. That yep. is progress. Yep. Had a character come out, he didn't go away. Yep. He is wearing a very, uh, like, he's got a very unbuttoned... Uh, oh, yeah, it's uh, down. T- it's like, he's just a vision in brown and mustard. It's the way like, this entire episode is. Honestly, I'm picturing, like, a beige crayon. Because, yeah. like, his hair is the same color as his skin, same color uh-huh. as his mustache exactly, exactly. shirt. <laughs> It's a, it's a head to toe look. That mustache at that time would have made him very popular in yes. the gay bars. Like, yeah. okay, are you That's the thing me? of like, oh, of course he was always the gay one. He's the only one on the show with a mustache. <laughs> that's why I have. Bob, by the way, is in a riot of, I think that's a peplum or a seersucker. It's a very it's, white, bright, it is a, thing yeah, it is a It is an amazing black and white check jacket. Mm-hmm. And this is where I noted all of the rings. I want a, Is it a pinky ring? Yes. He has Jesus a pinky Christ. ring that I want. I want a pinky ring oh. for this reason. Oh. <laughs> I am. Um, what is wrong with me? Um, <laughs> I don't want. Bra- I don't like bracelets. So like, I don't go that far. But, Does he have but, bracelets? Yes, he also wears a bracelet. Wow. He has a bracelet, a pinky ring, an amazing watch that I also want to know what it is. It's like it's 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 Timex. I bought because it's similar, except it's silver, not gold. Uh-huh. Um, and it's also not a Timex. Obviously, it's an analog, not a digital watch. Uh-huh. When you run a Bob Newhart style blog, this is the insane shit that you uh, <laughs> realize. <laughs> but also, Bob loves accessories. He shouldn't love accessories. He shouldn't. Uh, it's a very it's gay to love accessories. Uh-huh. Um, when I so then my favorite line comes up, where uh, Bob like they're trying they're wanting to talk they're wanting to get going. Mister Plager's like I don't want to start I don't want to start. And then Miss Bakerman says, uh, "If you don't mind, I'd rather wait." Oh darn! I was looking forward to some fresh anguish. It's <laughs> good. Solid piece of business. That's a joke. Yes. Yeah, that's a solid piece of business. Throughout the entire episode, she has so many good jokes like that, uh, where like it's they're contrasting with the like mild, meek like personality that she has. Right. They give her a lot of the more hard things to say. Yep. Which I 
fucking love that. Including a little bit later where she says, you guys want to have a talk man to man. I mean person to person, which... Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That. <laughs> yeah that's, that's not good. So then we get um, player like starts talking about how he's having fan, like trouble at home. Mm-hmm. He's avoiding pronouns, but it doesn't. It's not that noticeable at that point. Bob chucks a couple of platitudes at him, which is like his running joke of this. Really bad, like boring platitudes. Yeah. Which Carlin calls him out on in a really inter- entertaining way. That's yeah. my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. My favorite part. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> He's very... What a mind. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. But then Carlin, or a uh, player does the thing where he says... If you really care about a relationship, you shouldn't be so, so willing to get out of it. Me? I, I'm not the one who wants to give it up. It's him. Well, then talk to him. Uh, Him? Yes, him. So let's talk about uh, gay people being hyper-aware of pronouns that they use at all times. Sure, absolutely. Knowing, seeing the way that Howard Hessman plays this, in retrospect, looking back on like someone that's lived this experience, you see in his eyes, which again, this could be retroactively putting in that Obi-Wan knew what happened to Anakin Skywalker all along, sure, sure, sure. but you're reading in like he's decided at this point, I'm coming out to them right now this way. There's a calmness on his face. There's a calmness, a, a resolve. Yes. I really like this performance, as yeah. I said before. There is, there is, it could have been bigger. It could have been... He doesn't want to. Right. Exactly. And, and... When he's challenged, not challenged, but when Bob does his, uh, uh, he's like, yeah, him, him, yeah, come yes, on, let's him. move on, let's move on. Yeah, it's great. And I love the reaction of everyone else. In the, again, everyone's homophobe, but <laughs> it's funny. Um, like Michelle's, like her weird, like, uh, like her her face droops, and mm-hmm. she looks like she's been, I don't know, electrocuted, like yeah. or like tased. Yep. Uh, Mrs. Bakerman is like, oh, I wish we all had more gaiety. The easy joke. The easy joke. Easy joke. Yeah. They have to explain what it is. Then, uh, I love Carlin's, like, idea when, uh, Plager says, well, there are thousands of homosexuals in Chicago. I don't know all of them. I don't know your nephew, Kenny, Mrs. Bakerman. Carlin's like, I'm fleeing to New York City. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, good go, luck. Yeah, go to New York City, 1976. Mm-hmm. Definitely no gay people there. Yep. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> like, Although that's a show I want to see. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, Carlin, Carlin in New York City at, uh, at the Cruising Bar. Uh, maybe that, that, I feel like Carlin's energy is way more New York City. Yeah. It's more New York City 70s yeah, than I, Chicago. You know, in the very final episode, he's called upon to have a big emotional reaction to the, to the news that Bob is leaving. It's the only time he has any kind of anything approaching mm-hmm. a huge emotional reaction. Because uh, I didn't think the actor... I thought the actor. I thought it was a limitation of the actor. I wasn't necessarily sure. Yeah. All the time watching Carlin, that it was a choice, um, but I, I, I now think it was. Um, a little bit later, uh, when the group leaves, uh, yeah, on Mas, or uh, he actually dismisses uh, Lillian. Lillian, yeah, like has to be. She wants to stay. She wants to. Stay. She even offers to stay. If things don't work out with you and Gerald, perhaps you'd like to meet my nephew Kenny. <laughs> no, thanks. Then perhaps Gerald would like to meet Ken. Well, I'll ask him. Plager has uh, a very important line, which was, it's never been a problem until now. Yeah. That's why I never mentioned it before. That is like, that should just have shockwaves coming off of it, because that, and you mentioned in your, in your decider piece, how 
important that is because the DSM, you know, like the, it had just been not considered a pathology. Yeah, what, three, four. Yeah, seventy-three. I think is when the DSM finally removed homos, but they replaced homosexuality with um, like sexual orientation, like deviance or something. Sure, sure. So like it was still like, kind of in there. So the context around all of this like blows my mind, and it's why. So when Bob gets alone with him, Bob doesn't. This is where I like will stand up for Bob Newhart or Bob Hartley is like, he doesn't have to turn it into a one-on-one thing with right. Mr. Plager. Like he can be like, okay, you're gone. If Bob was not comfortable, but he chooses to be in a room alone with a homosexual, which in 1976, holy shit. Sure. And then when he like loses, when Plager leaves his eyesight, he does do like a little flinchy jump thing, which is obvious. Uh, obvious. But, but well performed. But well, so good. <laughs> but what I love about this scene is when you know the context of now, Bob is a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. He doesn't yeah. have to follow the DSM. Right. But in the medical community that he definitely is aware of, um, homosexuality is treated. It's considered a mental deviant, like mm-hmm. like a version of like like schizophrenia or something, right. like sociopath sociopathy or whatever mm-hmm. um so the fact that he doesn't bring up conversion therapy or blame it on him or right. try to like convert him or and also the fact that mr player even says it wasn't a problem until now which also tells gay people like young gay people being like hey Huge you can problem. live a life yep. where this actually isn't a problem yep. until your relationship starts getting tough like a straight person's probably exactly. would too it's really really smart and i really love that uh, and there's also this really cool bit of growth where Bob says, why didn't you ever tell me that you were, uh, 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 and he has to be told gay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then like a minute later, Plager says homos- homosexual and Bob says gay. Right. He's learning. It's like, you're literally like watching him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Learn how to be okay with it very yeah. quickly. I mean, I was a very young kid when this episode, I was eight years old. I, I, a part of me thinks that I remember watching this episode and being confused by it. Yeah. But also a part of me thinks, and then I could, I could be reflect, uh, just, you know, this is completely revisionist history, I suppose it could be, but I kind of <laughs> remember it was never a problem before. I, I, I kind of want to think that that Take it on. made it through. It's, it is so remarkable. And then what is the next scene, I think, is my favorite scene of the episode is back at the apartment with Bob is in his tux. Mm-hmm. This is when... Uh, Howard comes in Mm -hmm. and immediately laughs, calls it like a nice blouse, you're wearing a sissy shirt, Mm -hmm. and then Emily even starts ragging on him. Which surprised me, actually. Yeah. And then that's when Bob says, you know, Howard... Oh, nothing if the uh, blouse fits. uh, Wear it. (laughs) Do you have a matching bag? (laughs) You know, sometimes, Howard, you're a real jerk. And the audience kind of like laughs at that, Mm -hmm. but the performance on Newhart's face is stone cold. Absolutely. Right. And then he gets up and he says, It just happens that I happen to have a patient now who's gay and he's going through a very difficult time. I'm beginning to understand why. I mean, some of the remarks you're making can be very hurtful. Again, no jokes. Right. Right. Uh, And I'm not a a big fan of the Bill Daly performance, frankly, as Howard. Yeah. It's kind of tick-ridden. Oh, yeah. He does the same things over and over again, and it it, it feels a little stiff. But the fact that, um, you know, the character of Bob Hartley could... We could... There's another reading of this scene. There's another performance of this scene where he's just being incredibly Mm thin-skinned, right? And it would be a valid 
reading of the scene. Like, if, if he performed it that way, it would be, he'd be comically thin-skinned, and they, and both Emily and, and um, Howard would be kind of in the right. Yeah. That's not the way it shakes no. out. No. That's not the way it shakes out. And he is challenging not just Howard, he's also challenging Emily. Yeah. In, because, and it, again, it's, it's nuanced. It's more nuanced than I expected. Have, see, this is the other thing. So, when we talked about Cheers as the boys in the bar, there's parallels here. Because both Sam and Bob have to come to grips with their own whatever homophobia they have in order to deal with the person in their life that is now out. Right. And also, similarly, Sam needs to do it because his regulars might are threatening to leave the bar Mm -hmm. if it becomes a gay bar. Bob's patients are like, we might stop coming to this group if you keep him in. Yep. But what I realized is like, Sam is very there's a mercenary aspect to it where he's doing because he wants to keep his regulars he also wants women to keep coming because he wants to still have women to fight there is that and he does stand up for the gay people in the bar and it is really good and it's a really good moment but he does waver Bob never really wavers and even in this moment he's at home Mm -hmm. player isn't there his patients aren't there he doesn't have to stand up for anyone he doesn't have to bring it up at all Mm -hmm. but in his own living room wearing a frilly tuxedo standing with like a spine of steel yep Howard says, I love sissies. <laughs> I mean, I like sissies. See, that's another thing. Sissy is a very derogatory term. Homosexuals like to be called gay. Mm-hmm. Two words he previously could not say. Exactly. Really smart. Really good. Really well done. I also don't mind sissy. I'm, I'm okay with sissy. No, I, we've, I totally, we've reclaimed sissy. We've reclaimed <laughs> sissy. I like sissy. Whatever. So this is, oh, it's so good. And like, that is enough. Like, and that is enough, but it doesn't stop there. (laughs) It doesn't stop there. Howard is in like, okay, um, I'm going to come back when you're a little more chill. Mm -hmm. And then Bob almost like chases him out of the apartment, bang, being like, yeah, I'm going to let me know when he's in a better mood. (laughs) Howard, all I'm trying to say is we're going to have to change our attitude a little bit. It's just that kind of dark ages thinking that have kept homosexuals in closets all these years. So. But that's not the end of it. What? Oh, and then probably in there looking for shirts like that <laughs> which is yes a good joke it's a good joke <laughs> but so like so this is where i upon like my fourth rewatch of this had this breakthrough where to get personal in a way that i didn't want to get into the article i don't know i feel comfortable talking to people about it my listeners yeah sure um this is the kind of shit you want your parents to do for you yeah, of course like yeah. what bob newhart is doing in this episode is like what i wish my family like they would do at any point. Right. Like, and when you're watching these old shows and you get to the gay episode, you have to start being like, oh boy, mm-hmm. how are my heroes going to act at this point? Right. I mean, like, I'm a huge Cliff Clavin fan. Don't sure. like him in that episode. No, sure, sure. And so to see this, like, time capsule of, like, Bobby Newhart signed on to do this episode and they performed it this way. Yep. I'm getting, I'm getting an amount of validation from him that I did not initially get from people in my own life when I came of out. Of course. It's, it's wild. Yep. Uh, and he was 47, held them ass years old. Uh, yeah. When he, when he, when he Raised did hella Catholic in hella Catholic. Chicago. Yep. And, and you made a very good point on, I think, the Boys of the Band episode, which is that uh, in the 70s, because it was the, the, the time, I guess... Um, people like an episode like this could happen in the 80s in the Reagan era mm-hmm. when all of a sudden everything became kind of clamped down that's when something the, 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 the homophobia becomes yeah. a thing that's not questioned it becomes part of the it becomes like the, there's a plague aspect to yeah, it like there's absolutely. this undercurrent of fear mm-hmm. that there isn't in the 70s ones Except the Barney Miller ones kind of have a little bit of that. Yeah, but, but that's know. just gay panic. That's just yeah. good old-fashioned gay good panic. Good old-fashioned gay panic. No AIDS there. No. Ugh. 
So then we get finally the the final scene of the episode, or before the the finale scene, um, is back in the office. Bob is called Plagrant early because it's like the group is coming back. Mm-hmm. You're going to be there. So this is where I'm like, Bob's ethics is a, like, you probably shouldn't force your patient to be in the group of the homophobes. Yeah, sure. So, but like for the okay. purpose of a story. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, also, Plagrant is wearing a tie that is so big. Uh-huh. It is basically a lobster bib. It is, he's wearing, it's like a beige lobster bib. That and I, I like it, it's 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 not a cravat, it's not a kerchief. It is just a tie that is just so wide. Yeah, you could uh, go sailing on those. You yeah, fly yeah. a kite with this. Stuff. Yep. It's at this point that um he says he's like friendless alone. It's the first time he's ever felt sad to be gay. Yep. Which is a joke, right? Yeah. Which is like a you know it's, it's a, a good joke. little uh, thing there, but that's that's got some real real stuff to it. He also uh, there's a good thing that uh, he does where he mentions James Arness. And Bob, this this joke could be done today. Yeah, the, you, a gay person mentions a celebrity, and somebody goes, "Do you mean that that celebrity is gay?" Like that joke. Yeah, it's the first, probably made, one of the first versions of that joke has ever been done. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably as, as I said in the article, this also might be the first time that the term "the closet" was ever used on TV. Sure, sure. Because it was maybe brought up in the '60s again, like when we first started calling it the closet. It's very disputed. Uh, but the fact that this is 1976, and there aren't many that gay, gay episodes before this, right? Pretty wild. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is when Bob again puts his hand on Plager's shoulder and is like, "Mr. Plager, I, I know things are, are rough right now, but we're, we're going to see this thing through. You're, you're, you're not going to be alone. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with you all the way." Thanks. And you're waiting for the obvious joke that undercuts it. You're waiting for like the panic. You're waiting mm-hmm. for anything that doesn't come. Plager puts his hand on Bob's shoulder. Bob does a look at the hand. The audience reacts as if that's a joke. But then Bob, he doesn't like wince or pull away. Right. He's just looking at a hand. Right. Which I think is definitely the character noticing like, oh God, a gay person is touching me. But Bob doesn't play that. You see it flash, but he doesn't right. react. Like right. he doesn't pull away. It's not a bad moment. And right. it's... The, it's reaction. It's not mugging. Right. Mm-hmm. The show is ahead of the audience, yeah. which is so wild to see. Yep. And then, of course, it's broken by Carlin busting and be like, Let's not beat around the bush. We had a meeting and we voted the gay guy out. <laughs> and then Bakerman has a line of like, I voted both ways. Yeah, yeah, see you again. I, get, I kept saying, where are the jokes? But there, there they are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there are the jokes. And then this is when Bob reads everyone to filth. He says they should all be ashamed. Mm-hmm. He goes to links that Sam does not go to. Sure. He never says that Norm and Cliff and Carl should be ashamed. He does accuse them of being narrow-minded repeatedly. Yep. And, you know, 2019 Glenn was like, just say bigots. Just say yeah. bigots. Just say it. Just yeah. say it. You're almost there. So close. So close to saying bigots. But, uh, yeah. Narrow-minded for 1976. Sure. Yeah. And then Diane gets the bigoted line in 83. So mm-hmm. that's, the, right, right. That's, the, that's the trajectory that we're on. Yeah. And then Bob quotes a show tune. And I'm not a show tune person. People is, need people. What is that? Is that's... Brett. Funny girl? It is funny. Okay, which I had to Google. I only know that because of the article. Okay. Yes. This is my, that's my blank spot. That's totally fine. But like, no, he, and that, again, that is a remarkable, this is why I thought there might have been a gay person involved. Because to to go to a Barbara Streisand lyric Mm -hmm. uh, is, in many sense, it's like the shortest distance between two points. But in many sense, it's actually kind of smart. Yeah. (laughs) Comment on what what we've been watching before. Because we go right back to... Show tunes at the end of this. There's also shit like 
like the fact that Bob makes a stand in a Glee Club tux, like it also there is, is playing, but also the fact that in his Glee Club tux was a black book of women's names, Just like there's, yeah. there's a lot of playing on stereotypes in this. Um, but there, I do like that this episode is not one of those like, well, I couldn't tell he was gay by the way he looks episodes, of right. which there are a lot. Yeah. Like, it's ne- no one's ever surprised that Plager is gay because of like, well, he's not a sissy. You right, know? right, right. Who knows what Harold would have thought, thought of him. Right, and that was confusing to me because, again, I was used to seeing homosexuals coded as sissies, mm-hmm. homosexuals coded as effeminate. So when you have Howard Hessman, who's playing not closety or, stri- or straight, but like down the middle. Yeah. He's just acting. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that you get when you let a gay people, gay character be more than just gay because he's been on four episodes prior. He right. can't all of a sudden be yeah. like limp-wristed and lisping. Yeah. yeah. What I if I could time travel, mm-hmm. I would use it to go back and just be in the writers' room for this episode. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's what I would do. Yeah. Not fix anything. Because again, a lot of it is in the performance. A lot yeah. of that that the the, the the needle it's threading is in the performance. Is in uh, New Art's performance. So then that's when it gets through to the rest of the group. They all apologize except for Carlin, who's like, "I'm not going to shake your hand." Yeah. Which is like, well, I don't want Carlin to apologize. That's they, not his character. They kind of turn on a dime. Yeah, it um, is. Um, well, it's like, gotta get this episode over. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all learned something. Yeah. It's like, okay, so all right, s- settle down. They all sit down, and then, then Plager starts talking. As soon as he says Gerald's name, mm-hmm. Peterman and Carlin get up off the couch from they're sitting next to him, move to the other side of the room. Yeah. And then the trumpets. Yeah. Which is like, okay, sure. You sure. know what? You gave me a lot of good, like, steak this entire episode. Exactly. I can have a piece of fat, or like, I can have Sure, like, of course. A Funyun or a beef jerky joke <laughs> at the end. He, and they, then the end of the episode, like the cold open or the, the whatever you call it, the stinger at stinger, the end. The button. The button is just them coming over from the Glee Club thing and, oh, Bob was on wearing the tux and it mm. falls apart in Emily's hands. Like, yep. Yep. I mean, it was good to see Emily. It, yeah. Good to see Emily dressed up. She's not in that shapeless plaid that she's always in. She yeah. Has a, she has a, a, an actual gown. She's uh, not, I mean... I don't know. She's got a banging bod. She's got a banging bod. <laughs> That's true. If you um, if you search for Bob Newhart show stuff on eBay, you will often find like nineteen fifties and sixties photos of Suzanne Plachet oh, yeah. in her like movie girl days, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh god, like, yeah, yeah. She was a. Uh, and then if you watch the final uh, season, I think it's six seasons, seven seasons. Oh six yeah, season. Um, season six. Yeah, she is. She's had a total makeover, new hair, mm-hmm. and the apartment has had a total makeover. Yeah, they a moved. Very cool. Oh, yeah, they moved um, up. Uh, yeah. So you ready for some must have facts about this episode? Yes, we do. Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, um, this was the very first season of the show that was not in the top 30 of the ratings. Huh. So I have no idea how many people watched it, but it had started to trickle out. Oh, Very so Tom Marshall as well. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So they'd only kept ratings for the top 30. So it's hard. Kept... Like, well, if I want to buy a subscription to a newspaper, I can read yeah. <laughs> the, like, Ohio somethings, weekly things, which, you know what, listeners, maybe, maybe that's what a Patreon should <laughs> exactly. be for, is to give me subscriptions to old newspaper archives. But the top five shows for this season were, number five, Charlie's Angels, four, M.A.S.H., Three, the ABC Monday Night Movie. Sure. Two, Laverne and Shirley, and one, Happy Days. Oh, 60 Minutes dropped right out of that thing. I would thought 60 yeah. Minutes would have been a thing. I guess it's rain began uh, afterwards, okay. maybe. All right, sure. Um, uh, so the CBS Saturday Night lineup that this was a part of was the iconic lineup. This is, this is not the most iconic version of this lineup. The Jeffersons. Sure. Followed by Doc. Doc. Then Mary Tyler Moore Show, Bob Newhart Show, Kara Burnett Show. Oh, wow. Doc was a two-season wonder that was an an MTM show. Uh Mary Wicks is the only cast member whose name I recognize. Okay. Uh, It was about a doctor, and it went through, like, a major, of course, uh, it went through a major um, plot, like, overhaul between seasons one and two. Hmm. Didn't work. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Here's a weird thing. This episode was possibly named after the 1971 film Some of My Best Friends Are, which is about a group of queer people meeting at a bar on Christmas Eve in the village to talk about their love lives, starring Fanny Flagg, Rue McClanahan, and Andy Warhol Muse trans actor Candy Darling. <laughs> I mean, it kind of has to be, right? Yeah. Is, that, is that a common phrase? I guess it Some is. of my best friends are. Some but of my I, best friends are. It's, I was yeah, Googling it's IMDb, and I saw there was a movie named after it that came out before, so I looked on it, looked at it, and I was like... An explicitly queer movie mm-hmm. uh, starring, like, a trans actor, a Fanny Flagg, noted lesbian. Yep. Uh, Rue McClanahan, noted friend of the gays. Right, sure. Like, considering how weirdly progressive this whole episode is, part of me does wonder if uh, Patricia Jones and Donald Riker mm-hmm. were just, like, happening. <laughs> <laughs> just, knew what, just knew what was up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Never know. Now I kind of want to watch that movie, though. Yeah. It must be hard to find. Um, yes, I yeah. think so. I should check. Mm-hmm. Uh, the IMDb rating for this episode, 38 randos, rated this a 7.3. Uh, okay. That's like, that's not even a grade. It's no. like, it's like, I guess it's like a, what, if you were, is that a C, C yeah. minus, I guess? Well, if you are in Tennessee grade schools, that's a D. Yeah. Because we had a, we did not... No one needs to know about grading scales. (laughs) It's a bad grade. (laughs) It's a bad grade. I mean, you know, I mean, but but seven out of ten is not a bad grade, right? No, but like I would, uh, I would give this an eight point eight. I think it's a very excellent score. That's where I would put it to, and maybe eight point five. I mean, again, I wanted more jokes, um, but I got what I got instead was attitudinal Mm -hmm. jokes. Yeah, uh, and and a really great performance from both Hesman and. Yeah, so who would you say had a must-see performance of this episode? I mean, uh, again, uh, Hessman had choices that he made. And, uh-huh. he, and every time he made the smaller choice, um, the more kind of grounded, the more... The, the not necessarily hugely funny choice, mm-hmm. which must have been. He's a supporting actor 
on a sitcom. He must have been, like, part of him must have been like, I can go bigger, I can go bigger, I can get a laugh. Especially on this show, where, like, where Jack Riley's doing Carlin, the way he does Carlin. Right. Like, where, where every, every line's a 10 yep. for him. Yep. Also, funny you know about Jack Riley is he plays the gay character in Night Court's gay episode. Really? The Blizzard, where he gets trapped in a elevator with John Larroquette. Huh. And John Larroquette's a raging homophobe. And is he doing that same kind of affectless? No, he, he's he's a little bit he's a little bit aff- affectless, but there is a little more nuance there. He's playing a widower, mm-hmm. like he has to talk about his like dead partner. Okay, and, like it humanizes him. He also breeds poodles for a living. There you go. Night Court's a weird show. I was waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, must oh my must see performance has is Newhart. Sure. Yeah, like, and I would say that in any episode, but this one I feel like is the one time in the entire series where he is stern. Yeah, that's true. Where he is, like, un- unwavering, not mm-hmm. stammering. Like, it's very... And the fact that he's planning his feet down for gay rights in 1976. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you went into this thinking, yeah, pretty good. And then, like, now you must it must be, like, a fixation. It must be, like, an defixation. I do think so. Like, I got back into the bottom. I loved it in college and high school. And I got back into it after the 2016 election when I bought the entire series on DVD and I ran through it. And then mm-hmm. when I got to this episode, I realized in writing this piece for Decider that I think that clicked right. a lot of shit. Yeah. That I am safe with this person. Yeah, <laughs> That's a weird sure. thing. It's a weird thing that we have in a relationship with TV characters. Uh, you know, famously, college students in the 80s played High Bob, which is a, a drinking yeah. game when every time anybody would say Hi Bob, they would drink. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, would, they would not even be buzzed in this particular episode. That doesn't happen often. It's like once, yeah. twice. Yeah. I guess Howard enters the room once, so yep. once maybe. Yep. <laughs> like, must other people see this episode? Must other people see this yeah. episode? Yeah. Of course, yes. I mean, I watched it with my husband. He wasn't laughing. I wasn't laughing, but I was appreciating. Yeah. You know, it's not... There are funnier episodes of this series, but uh, again, I, I think the, the scenes between Hessman and Newhart are, are just surprising and uh, bracing in a way. That uh, that I wasn't expecting. A lot blunter than you think they're going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always say we tell ourselves a narrative. We always hope that the narrative is always moving forward. Mm-hmm. And when you go back and watch gay sitcom gay sitcom episodes, you see that oh god, it is back and forth. Yep. Like this is so much more progressive than a lot of the shit in the eighties. Kind of more than the nineties, but also the nineties was like it's right. It's a weird mishmash. I, I mean, if you could sort of map. The ones that were more progressive versus the ones that were written that had any kind of, any kind of gay contributors. I mean, yeah. I think that would be an interesting sort of graph to follow yeah. here. Because yep. this one, I mean, again, this one uh, sort of frustrates the curve because this one is no, no queer people involved that we know of. Yeah. Uh, but a kind of grounded progressive stance. With a lot more knowledge, the fact that you have Bob Newhart correcting someone for saying sissies, it's like they prefer to be called gay. Yeah. That line is also like, what? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like, correcting language yep. and talking about, like, identities and labels? Like, yep. This is a 2019 thing. Right. It's wild. Yeah. So, that is why I love this episode. Thank you so much for humoring. Oh, no. A Thank lot you. of my screaming, I think. No, no, no. <laughs> Thank you so much for allowing me to be, take part in this. I'm very, again, I'm very honored and I'm glad uh, this, this, I was able to be a part of something that was so important to you because it's, uh, it's got merit. It's got honest to God merit. Yes. Uh, Bob Newhart, if you're listening, come on the show. <laughs>
Yeah, right. Uh, where can people find you on the internet to scream at you about the Bob Newhart Show and oh, the Bob Newhart Show only? Sure. No, no, no. no. Just uh, come to Twitter at GH Weldon. Also, I think it's the same thing on Instagram where I just take pictures of my cabin. And, uh, and of course, I'm, I'm on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour every week, twice a week. And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest, Glenn Weldon, for dropping by and talking about the Bob Newhart Show with me. Next time, I will be discussing the Golden Girls episode, Sister of the Bride. Sister of the Bride is in season six. It is episode 14 of that season. You can stream the Golden Girls on Hulu. Until then, I want to hear from all of y'all. Tweet to at Must Have Seen TV. And you can also follow the podcast there or on Instagram or Facebook or Tumblr and at Must Have Seen TV. If you like what you've heard, rate and review the show in iTunes. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett White. Read the words that I write, including a piece about this very episode we just discussed at Decider.com. The theme song is Apollo Throwdown by the Go Team. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening, and I'll see you next time. I must have seen TV. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.